Hi, I'm Alan. Hi, this is Dionysus. Hi, I'm Kyle. And hi, this is Breaker, and you're listening to Magic Hour, a podcast about all things Treasure Dow. Guys, we have a special Magic Hour exclusive with you tonight. This is End and Peta here to talk to you about Bridgeworld 2.0. We're really excited to have you guys here. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks uh, yeah, it's great us. to be here. Yeah, I'm just excited to talk about the launch and uh, brief you guys a little bit about how you know, Bridgeworld works and Questing 2.0 works. Awesome. And it's also good to have you back here for a second time as well. Yes, sir. All right. So... Uh, before we get into the new Bridgeworld 2.0 details, I wanted to ask you guys kind of to recap Bridgeworld 1.0, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, and how you approached uh, those challenges in this latest update. Yeah, so I can probably take it here. So um, Bridgeworld 1 was kind of like, um, it was like, it's an innocent period where people can just farm and basically accumulate. But the problem with that was also that um, if you didn't give them places to spend and use those items, it you know, tends to be dumped. So we had the roadmap to basically progressively launch all these features and one by one bring the sinks up and running. But, um, you know, as you know, like product takes time to build and um, really it's only just starting to come online with Questing 2.0. So a lot of the first um, like first edition issues with Bridgewell were to do with inflation, mainly to do with just the rate in which people could you know, amass treasures. There wasn't a rate at which we could limit people from you know, getting their drop rates. You know, everyone got a, f- a flat 15% drop rate on treasures. And then on top of that, there was like the summoning issues to do with just people mass summoning, like the rate at which that was you know, inflating was almost as exponential. It was kind of like bacteria. They were just multiplying. Right. So like one of the emergency patches that we did and um, we were actually going to introduce a later for Bridgewald was actually just the, the summoning patches that we had to push up ahead. So um, there were the two main issues, I think. Um, there were a few other issues to do with like inaccessibility and then, you know, the utility of certain items in the game weren't you know quite powerful enough to actually incentivize people to actually uh, go and break and destroy treasures and um just in general like the the whole ecosystem kind of needed a little bit of time to find their balance like the pricing of what certain items and so forth we've come a long way since then we i think we understand the issues pretty well now and so like a lot of the features starting with questing 2.0 and a number of releases that would follow that uh, right after as we get down to building, would um, one by one tackle some of these issues and then hopefully rein the economy in and make it more circular in a way that um, makes it more sustainable also. And then you've got the harvesters on the back end of things doing the heavy lifting of incentivizing people to actually make the economy work. I know, all good. Um, So I think adding on to that, um, we envision like 1.0 to be the alpha version of Bridgewell where a lot of experimentation takes place. So... Um, some of the loops were kind of open and they were aiming to close that in like questing 2.0 and then subsequent releases such as the harvester. And I think to that point, we probably didn't really convey the alpha testing period, um, probably. But in fact, like 1.0 was just more us trialing different ways, um, looking at different mechanisms and see how they play out. Um, so with like 2.0, a lot of the open loops will be closed. Um, and hopefully with questing 2.0, that introduces a different mechanism for like treasure drops in terms of like fragment, which Peter can talk about later. That both reduces like questing time, but also increases. I give people like a dopamine boost um, in a way um, when I do yeah. drops. I strictly play the questing part of Bridgeworld, and I love it. I love that little dopamine hit. Whether when I reveal after I send my guys out off to quest, whether or not I get a treasure, 
I get really excited when I get a treasure too. So I, I love how this game plays. And, you know, I'm excited to see the new iteration. And um, just another thing, and you know, I mean, again, we're going to, as you said, we're going to definitely touch upon it more later into the episode. But I guess having fragments, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is going to be one of the, I guess, one of the main concepts of also to solve one of the big problems that were occurring within the uh, just treasures themselves, which, which are just the inflation of the quantities that were being produced. Am I correct? Yeah. So like um, with fragments, it's kind of like it was designed in a way that, um, you know, one, people could get more often, like they could get dopamine hits more often. The other part that's um, to do with inflation is we actually designed it so that the rough inflation rates of this new system reflect the previous one. So it should be roughly the same to begin with. The other, the, the thing about it, however, is because you need to collect fragments and they come randomly, that some people might not actually get enough fragments to begin with, or they might not you know, stay the course and get all of them to be, uh, to be able to actually craft a treasure. And so like, because of that, it might be a little bit low in inflation rate. You just have a lot of like scattered fragments, like dust in addresses, so. I definitely want to learn more about the fragments when we start talking about 2.0, but I kind of just had one more question about 1.0 and it's something N mentioned, which was, uh, can you give me an example of one of those open loops? Or, or maybe you just referenced it uh, in Alam's question, but what what was one of those open loops that you you know identified and needed to close? Uh, yeah, so like one of the open loops were really to do with the the items that were being produced. So you know things like essence of shards, prism shards, and so forth. We had a plan for them, mm-hmm. but we just had, didn't have the time to really push out a cohesive plan for them. So uh, starting with questing two point they'll and the uh, mini crafts, they'll start to be um, utilized a little bit more. Uh, in general, the loops were really to do with the items and then just the utility. Mm-hmm underlying like you know backing these items if the incentive wasn't strong enough then people just you know ignored it that wasn't really quite there so we consider that like a bit of a uh retarded loop it just didn't work right so and that makes sense i i just wanted to get some clarity there because some some of the people who listen might not understand the idea of these different types of loops and and why they're a problem so thank thank you for kind of addressing that a little bit and I think like another example is the constellation system, right? Uh, so to operate constellation, you would need essence of satellite and prisms, but there wasn't like any immediate utility for them. We definitely have a plan for like delayed iteration of ritual where, you know, you can stick magic on your legion and explore. Uh, but we're not there yet, but to increase like utilization for like essences and prisms in questing 2.0, you can actually, you, constellation would actually play a role when you go on quests. Okay, cool. Which and, you would touch uh... on later. Yeah, I'm sure we'll learn more about that as we discuss the questing 2.0. So why don't um, why don't you guys walk us through all the updates, however you feel it makes sense, and uh, tell us how the new game is going to be played. Yeah, sure. So like basically, um, like the the main feature release that we're looking at, you know, first and foremost is questing 2.0. With that one, it ties together constellations, a revamp of how treasures are going to be dropped, so you know, treasure fragments, and on top of that slight variations to the crafting system we have a system that's that's called like mini crafts basically there are small little recipes for you know forming your fragments together and the idea is to lower the entry barrier for a lot of the players so one of the other pain points that we noticed when you first launched bridge world was you know amidst all the hype and all the excitement around that treasure ecosystem at the start of the year uh, all the asset prices basically got a little bit too expensive for normal players to try out. So we, you know, we tried the recruit system, but that needs a lot of work because basically anytime we give something for free, like um, a recruit, uh, any kind of economic value gets farmed into the ground and you know, hundreds of bots 
pop out of nowhere. So right. um, we wanted to create something where like, you know, the average crypto user that's, you know, just wants to explore, doesn't really want to put more than like, you know, a couple hundred dollars into something, uh, can get started and basically um, try out the game at a very low level. In a way that's not superficial, like with recruits, basically, you know, um, the loop there is pretty much, you know, point and click and do, you know, and wait. It's not quite that interesting. Mm -hmm. With um, one of the pain points, uh, we, first and foremost, we, you know, turn treasures into fragments so that the drop rate could go up without necessarily increasing inflation rates. And also that mm -hmm. we could have some flexibility on how we wanted to um, transition towards the system. I know End had an um, idea of like having specific um, affinities or like class-based treasures and so forth. So it was kind of like our way to kind of start bridging towards that kind of system, but we'll, we'll talk okay. a bit about that later. But yeah, mainly having fragments so that it can drop and then also drop that alongside full treasures. So you kind of have different levels of dopamine hits for certain like different okay. classes of legions. So like let's say um, like normal legions, they'll get fragments, but then you know, Genesis legions, they'll get fragments and like a small chance of like a bigger dopamine hit, maybe a full treasure, stuff like that. Then also splitting up the treasure fragments in such a way that different zones would kind of drop different types of treasures. So you not only have to kind of go down one path and upgrade one type of constellation, but now you have choices, right? You have to explore different uh, elemental parts of constellations and then you know, adventure in different ways to be able to collect the different types of treasures that you want. So um, encouraging the use of fragments for more dopamine hits, more frequent dopamine hits, speeding up the gaming mm -hmm. loop cycle so that we can shorten it. Mm -hmm. And then also just encouraging players to collect a diversity of treasures so at the moment with the different tiers of treasures there's no distinction between really why do you need like a you know like a dragon tail versus like a penny or something like that right they all kind of serve the same purpose so just giving players more reason and more kind of lore behind each of the items like why do i need that particular item versus that one is there a purpose by, by, to that uh, we're starting to inject a little bit more of that into um questing 2.0 uh, with the card game and so forth you kind of need a diverse like, portfolio of treasures to do better at that um, right. game wise so that's kind of the first part to do with like um addressing and tackling a number of the accessibility issues that we had with like how treasures were dropped to begin with i know people because we had to control inflation, we had to lower quite a bit that we noticed a lot of people go on unlucky streaks, right? They would you know, go questing 20, 30 times in a row and get nothing. And then they'd, they'd feel like, oh, is this system broken or not? When really like, maybe it's just like an unlucky streak, right? So hopefully fragments kind of like reduces some of these issues, makes the game more predictable and then gets people more engaged and more, um, more active in the groups again. First off, it sounds like now we have different questing paths and if you're low level, you're going to earn treasure fragments. Can you craft a full treasure with those fragments or is it kind of like a, a chance that you might be able to craft a treasure? So at the moment, um, they will just succeed. If you have enough fragments, you can craft and it will work. Yeah. Got it. And is it a just a low rarity or do you have a chance to even get like a T1? With the questing, they'll drop fragments of different tiers. Oh, okay. Got it. So it, you have to collect certain. Oh, that's pretty exciting because then you're going to get fragments, but you're going to get all sorts of different fragments. So it might take you a bit of time. I, I like that. And then there's different locales that you'll be adventuring to and they'll have their own treasure pool or fragment pool to pull from that'll be different from the other uh, regions that you go to and then you're saying that you have to visit all of them to complete constellations am, am i getting all of that 
Um, yeah, so like with the constellations, like the different ones will give you different advantages in different zones. So it will oh, help okay, you. Cool. Yeah, it will help you collect your fragments and uh, your treasures. So it's kind of more of like a path building system. That you know, it's kind of like a, you venture into the own path that you kind of want to indicate yourself going towards based off the treasures that you receive and the fragments and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So building towards that kind of vision, like the first iteration, obviously is going to be like uh, linear paths, but you know maybe later we can. You know, experiment and do something more creative there. Yeah, because eventually we want to incentivize people to have like conscious decision making. Um, so it's not odd oh, you go to this path and you get this particular reward, but um, there's like choices involved in game. Um, so hopefully it's more immersive and dynamic. It sounds more immersive and dynamic, and uh, I like the idea of choice. It you know it, it gives you more opportunity to try different methods, so to speak. And, you know, it's more of the player basis judgment that kind of indicates. Uh, result of what ends up recurring at the end right now more so just uh more of a systematic rng based model i mean obviously that does have indication towards as well but in terms of decision making it's more so just incentivized on the player decides to get to do what they want to do within the game which is i really like that honestly yeah it's more of a creativity aspect and at the same time um this gives more again as end was saying incentivization on the player base themselves on deciding on what they want to do within the game Oh yeah, so like um, the first part of uh, the issues that we were tackling with Bridgeworld One were uh, to do with how tra treasures were you know, dropped. The second part is um, how they're forged, and what we wanted to address was actually some of the um, some of the issues we had with crafting. So when we first um, launched crafting, we had a break system, and um, it's kind of a it was kind of a little bit scary for people to you know gamble some of their treasures that you know could have been worth a couple hundred dollars or in some cases like up to a thousand dollars to put that on the line and then you know have uh, like a crack at producing uh, some of the crafting items. Um, what we noticed was you know people were extremely risk averse and more so that um, more, mm -hmm. more so because of the fact that harvesters weren't out yet. So they weren't really sure what the benefit was. So there's a lot of speculation there. Um, so we needed a way for people to basically have a low cost access to crafting. So um, treasure fragments is kind of like our solution to both like some of the issues with questing and also like providing um, lower entry kind of recipes for new players to try crafting at. So that's uh, the other part of that. So you can now craft with like lower value items and not be as worried if they break. If you craft with a regular treasure, will it break into fragments? Not at the moment, but it's actually a really good idea that you just brought up and we can consider that. Yeah, but yeah, basically like the idea with mini crafts is it has to be, um, like the economic consequences have to be very low to get people like started right. into crafting. So with you know, treasure fragments, they don't break, they just get, give you the reward. The other part is um, the other, it requires like prism shards. So in a way that um, these things are, um, they're pretty much like, they're, they're guaranteed every time you go on a quest. So they're basically low cost items that you can you know, put into recipe, try out crafting and so forth. Right. So there's no consequences right. there. So it's, it's now more of a sink for prism shards. Yeah, it's also that as well, yeah. And um, you know, you can get a little bit of XP and stuff like that. So it just gives, um, <clears throat> Players who aren't necessarily in the you know, 10k, 20k range with like a legion, and they they can you know have 10 or 20 treasures and afford to break one or two of them. Uh, it just gives mm -hmm. that 
lower class of people dabbling with the game and trying it out like uh, more accessibility there with uh earning the experience are you guys increasing the level cap for the different legions uh not at the moment but it's something that we have in mind okay no that's fine uh i guess follow up to that is if you if you do eventually increase the level cap does that require you creating a new contract and issue uh migrating the nfts so to speak not necessarily as far as i know the contracts are all upgradable um so it'll be like pretty easy to do anyways no that's fine i I i'm just curious about those kinds of things yeah yeah i think um the the main thing that we probably think about when it comes to increasing level caps is um every time you do that you kind of um the onboarding experience gets longer and so like people looking mm-hmm. like, let's say like six months or 12 months later down the track someone looking to get into the game will look at the progressions and think oh is that worthwhile my time is that worth my time to get to that level uh, i recall like mm-hmm. a lot of the, the issues that a lot of the early mmorpgs had was really just like that level grind and so um yeah at some point i think we might want to slightly uh, or start to like move away from having too many level kind of like requirements that require a lot of time investment and so forth. I think um, over time, um, the, the time component starts to drive a lot of people away. If they need to do like you know, 90 days worth of something before they can get somewhere, then that might be like a huge deterrent and you, it might actually help. Yeah. It might actually slow down adoption. So that's, I guess yeah. that's the other kind of way we think about it. Well, I, I like, I kind of like the idea of like, you know, with Seed of Life, you can stake your treasures if you choose to, to kind of, excuse me, boost the or give yourself a better chance of earning skills or something like that or a better class is what it was um it was take treasures to um, have a chance of getting a better more chance of getting three skill reset potion yeah that's yeah that's what it was you know i think that that's kind of a great alternative to a leveling system only in what you were describing Peta, because then you know you can either quest for those treasure or you can buy them on the secondary marketplace to kind of get yourself there you can't buy levels you can't buy the experience mm, yeah all right continue by the way sorry just a quick question as well again i don't want to go off too track here but and obviously this is again we're focusing more on the questing 2.0 aspect of things but uh is there any correlation in terms of summoning and specifically speaking uh genesis legions in terms of uh the questing aspect of things are we going to see in terms of I guess it's a connection with uh, is any type of starlight essence or anything that has to go into that as well. In this uh, in this iteration of questing, there isn't any changes to summoning, although that is part okay. of the roadmap. Yeah. So as we focus on each path and you know, iteratively release new features from, yeah, we'll we'll get around to that as well. Yeah, because I think one of the issues we ran onto early on, especially in 1.0, is that we released too many things at one, especially, you know, with Bridgewell trying to release questing, crafting, summoning all at the same time. Like, in hindsight, it would be better to, like, progressively, progressively uh, slow road them out. So that gives us um, more time to keep the community engaged, uh, but also more time to, like, keep testing um, and checking for like any potential issues so with that said i think moving forward we want to like start slowly rolling things out so with like bridgewall 2.0 right it'll be questing 2.0 first and then like mini craft etc and then leading up to like the harvester so in that sense we get to keep the community engaged over like a longer period of time but also give us more time to like testing probably to ensure that everything is um as effective and efficient um as safe as possible mm-hmm. No, that, that definitely makes sense. And I feel like that's, you know, going to be an amazing approach. All right. So um, 
I guess we covered most of the questing stuff, but I, I understand there's probably some like cooldowns, right? And I know you guys, or I, I heard you guys are taking an approach to that. Is that correct? Questing is being reduced down to back down to 7.5 hours. So hearing one of the community concerns was that, you know, the increasing questing time was too long. And it doesn't incentivize that dopamine hit that, you know, everyone liked and loved um, upon the first release of questing. Uh, so yeah, like moving into the version 2.0, all of the questing time will be reduced down to 7.5 hours. And then we're introducing a leg or like a stage system. Uh, so like in the first stage, it takes 7.5 hours and it'll be the same across the three stages. I guess the only exception, and Peter probably can talk more onto this, is the idea of stasis. I think I pronounced that right. Um, is that when you're gone on quest, there's a small chance of getting stasis or, you know, your legion get uh, stuck in a quest. It's not like burn or anything, it's just stuck there. But here we also introduce like uh, a kind of a good buff for Genesis Legion in that they're immune to like the stasis effect. So in effect, when Genesis Legion are questing, they won't be, ever be stuck. Yeah. And that's influenced by Constellation as well. So you're saying like a Genesis Legion can still summon while they're questing? No, they just don't get... Oh, no, you, when I was stuck, it's mean like, say, uh, Peter, you want to explain this? I don't know how to like explain the stasis thing very well. Yeah, I can I can give an overview of like the game loop. So basically, with um like questing V two like constellations, and uh, the constellations kind of um it's a system that protects you as you go further and further into the journey. So with questing V two, you can embark on a journey and you can decide how far into the journey you want to go on three different sections, and every section takes a period of time, and any time you want to progress to the next section, there's a risk of stasis where you know. You know, Legion gets trapped, falls into you know, a ditch or something like that. Something bad happens, and they they have a cool down. They have an extra period in which they're they're trapped for say uh, four hours or something like that. Um, and every section that you want to, any time you want to progress to the next section, you, um, there's a risk of that, and constellations protects you from that. And by progressing to the next section, you get a chance of uh, greater rewards. So it's kind of like um, any time. Let's say you're in section two, you can either d uh, decide, okay, look, that's, um, uh, I'm good here. I've got my treasures here, my, uh, my drops, or I can take a bit more of a gamble and try to proceed on to the next section for potentially even better rewards, or I can just tap out. And um, taking the risk to try and go to a further section, there's, um, there's a chance of stasis. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a, we're introducing more of a risk reward trade-off and letting people decide how far into the like a journey they want to go. Gotcha. So the the risk is that you might freeze your legion for a period of time if you proceed to that next land if you don't and you can use constellations to protect yourself from that. Yeah, that's correct. So over a number of loops, basically um the constellations will basically, you know, add to your APY. You know, if, if you're not seeing as many cooldowns over over time and average, then you know that helps with the APY. But it's kind of like, um, let's say you're going out, like in real life, if you're going out to look for, like, you're scavenging for fruit or something like that, it's the same process. You go out in the farm field and you look for fruit, and if there's nothing good there in the first like ten meters, ten meters or so, you just keep going in and seeing if there's better stuff. And that's kind of like what we're mimicking here, like. Um, uh, you can decide how far you want to go. And maybe uh, if you venture out further enough where no one's going, then you know the treasures are better, the fruit's better, the, the drops are better, right? Yeah, like uh, 
because uh, I love doing this, it's like another anime reference. Is if you watch like Sword Art Online, um, there's like a tower with like different like uh, levels, right? So the further up the tower you go, the stronger the boss, but also the more likelihood of like dying. In the case of like Bridge War, you won't actually die, but Stasis basically just locks your legion into like this idle state, um, and then you have to wait that out until you can like keep moving further um, onto the different sections. Got it. So it's almost like you'll complete the path every time, right? Even if you go through stasis, you'll still continue going through the path. Or once you go into stasis, you have to start from the beginning again. You'll go through the path. So it's just an intermediate, like, um, waiting. Yeah, so it's kind of slowing down the process as you're continuously going. So adding, again, those challenges that want to be, um, I guess, just increasing the uh, longevity of the project. At this- yeah. Cool. I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I, I, I'm going to be honest, though. I like the 24-hour questing time because i can kind of like do it every morning and then i don't have to think about it again every eight hours is like oh man more work that it is more work but at the same time more work more reward right so <clears throat> comes uh you make, a good, you make a good point it's actually an issue uh that i'm kind of thinking of as well like how do we revamp questing in a way that um it doesn't have set time periods but rather maybe it might run on epochs so maybe within a 24-hour period okay. Uh, you have every legion can do X amount of questing. And then the questing cycle is actually a lot shorter. Let's say it's like you know, 20 minutes per section or something like that, or even shorter. But then like, um, it's just something that we're teasing out because um, yeah, I've had some advice from one of the guys that worked at EA designing games. Uh, he mentioned like a lot of the mobile games they design, like people don't like having these long ass sessions, these absolute sessions where they have to wait and time it. Rather, they'd right. rather compress it down and then just... Uh, most gamers only want to play like a couple of hours, like not even that, maybe an hour or two a day and get it all out of the way. Yeah, for, that's for sure. I mean, I, I, I love mobile game. I love one mobile game. It's called Hearthstone. You might have played it, but I like it because it's digestible in like 15 to 30 minute chunks and that's it. And, you know, then I'm done with it if I need to be or whatever, but you know, you look at something like League of Legends, and I bring this up because me and Alan were talking about this before, but League of Legends requires an hour-long commitment, hour and a half maybe sometimes if it's a, like a really good game. I just, I can't do that ever. <laughs> you know, I might have to step away for something. But uh, so I, I like that approach, PETA, is what I'm saying. And, you know, I think that that's, that's a smart move, you know, for this type of thing. We haven't really seen this come in this type of... Uh cooldown type of period, I guess you can say, or just kind of changing when it comes to time frames and uh, pauses that need to be kept within gameplay. Um, again, we haven't, as far as I, as as far as it comes to my knowledge, I haven't really seen uh, a lot of games kind of take this approach. And it's kind of, I really, really do like the aspect of how you guys are kind of deriving it from all the games that are using this. And at the same time, um, you know, it's been, they're being used within mobile games and stuff like that. It's kind of bridging that type of aspect and, uh, the cooldown period in terms of gameplay into this as well. And I, I personally really think that's cool. That, that's going to be, it's going to be really nice to see. Yeah, so we got like a new marketing person on and um, to help out with some of these um, bigger launches. So the reasoning for that is to hopefully get momentum back and also incentivize a more like immersive experience that actually involved the community so you know instead of posting a teaser on like twitter or like uh 
uh, Discord, we want to have people actually decide what they want to be teased. Uh, so like with the like community event, right? Uh, people were allowed to pick what legion they want to take on a quest, and then what zone they want to take that legion onto. And then the law writers, um, Jay as well as Nansing, writes the actual story about that. And then in that sense, the teaser, like either UI or art, is accompanied by law, which creates like this narrative and that's fun to follow and in, like you know allow people to like immerse themselves in like the story of Bridgewell basically. So we thought it would be like a nicer way than just you know um, teasing just pictures. Yeah, no, I, I mean I, I love I love the whole idea of telling a story. I think that's what will get people engaged for sure. I th- I think in this in this particular Discord, I should probably start linking uh, certain channels in the Treasure Discord so that they just yeah. populate in here. Definitely, and you know at the same time, it's always a. I personally feel like it's always a puzzle that a lot of uh, again, as you were saying, it it brings a community together and gives them more of an immersive exp- uh, experience as well. And it's just I've always loved the puzzle building and everything that comes within. Uh, you know, finding whatever clues are given within the lore, or if there's anything that I could use to benefit within, uh, you know, just strategy building for Bridgerton. So, and uh, I've I've seen it in discourse all the time, and I feel like it's an amazing thing to just see being done within uh, a gameplay itself and being attached to it. Yeah, I think um, I might just go through the um, some of the dev diary stuff. There's a little bit of uh, an outline of like where we plan to take things after questing 2.0. And uh, most of them are basically, they're derived from like us directly addressing some of the economic issues with Bridgeworld. So, um, okay, so we have, you know, in Q2 2022 with the dev diary, we have like quests, constellation journeys, we have mini crafts and treasure fragments. So that's like, you know, the next release that we're doing. Um, After that, we have a concept called like um, corruption. And it's, it's kind of like this global deflationary uh, mechanism that, you know, people have to coordinate and kind of like drive back and work towards to kind of unroll uh, corruption. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It kind of like, what it does, yeah, it, what it kind of does is it forces people to kind of like put their items to work. And in order to kind of like, it's kind of like a winter that like comes, descends upon Bridgeworld and people have to work, um, Bit by bit, it seeps into the buildings, it seeps into the harvests and so forth, and it slows it down. And it's up to the legions to kind of like roll that back and um, coordinate against that. So in a way, um, what we're introducing is, yeah, so so we're kind of still working through the recipes and so forth like that. Like it's going to be you know, fairly low cost and you know, um, low risk for people to participate. But, but what it does is it kind of also gives us this inflationary and deflationary lever to kind of like, uh, you know, lower and push and heat up the economy when uh, when it's appropriate to do so. And then if there's too much inflation, people get too excited and so forth to kind of like uh, increase it and rein back the economy. So it's almost like an interest rate. It's a decay rate that's like global to hold mm-hmm. the rich world. Uh, in a way, it's also um, analogous to, uh, to seasons. So basically, right. we're kind of drawing the parallel between inflation, like cycles of inflation and deflation or um, to, to basically actual you know, weather within the world. So, you know, that might you know, lead to, you know, like the aesthetics of the game changing from time to time based on whether they're in like an expansion phase or contraction phase. 
So giving color towards the economic cycles that you know, underpin bridge world, that's kind of like some of the, the overarching goals that we have corruption. And then um, the other aspect of that is it will kind of um, bridge into later sections of the game in which like we start introducing more light PVP mechanisms between different guilds and so forth. So on top of the harvesters, we kind of have different ways in which we uh, think about PVP. So you know, at the very basic level, you have like, the game where you're in the same pool and you're trying to dilute each other and try not get diluted. That's a very light form of PVP and it's kind of like sushi pools and so forth. But then later we might introduce incremental, uh, incrementally more PVP-esque kind of mechanisms just because we know that having it too competitive is is pretty brutal. Like let's say with the harvesters and guilds are fighting each other. Uh, most pay- right. players don't want to get involved with that because like the consequences are too high. So we're going to introduce PVP at a very uh, light level and then like a more heavier kind of like guild level and it's part of um and they're also targeting you know having game mechanisms for people at the user level the guild level and also at a global level of how the game is shaped out so um yeah that's some of the stuff that's on the um, horizon uh but that's you know like that's going to be after harvesters most likely and um so there's still a bit of a like period in which we'll you know build that out and hopefully ship it sometime in the next quarter. A kind of time frame you guys can provide. I know I don't want to ask you guys for a hard date because I know you can't give us that. But is there some sort of time frame you can provide for when we can see harvesters enter the ecosystem? Yeah, I can probably provide the status updates, but not so much like time. Just because, um, like, as you know, with uh, Solidity Engineering, <laughs> like un- uncertain things, like random things can pop up that take more time than... Um, yeah than you yeah. imagine so um at the moment it's like deep in development like a lot of the code base and architecture is done so at this point it's a lot of it is to do with us reviewing the architecture and then making sure it makes sense for our purposes going forth uh, sometimes mm-hmm. we come across like decisions in the architecture level that didn't make sense or like might hamper us later uh let's say when we right. want to introduce other collections to be able to fight over the harvesters and stake in them so um mm-hmm. from time to time we might find things that actually oh crap we actually need to rewrite this part in a way that's more generalized. So making the code generalizes the like the kind of the uncertainty aspect of it because we realize things later that we have to do. So I think a lot of that is done, and it's um, okay. you know, like the code base itself is, you know, I'd say it's nearing completion. Mm-hmm. What remains a lot. Um, what remains is a lot of testing. So like writing a lot of robust tests, and then getting the orders engaged, and then organizing a lot of like just that third third party kind of review. Because um, unlike a lot of the other bridge world contracts, um, harvesters deal directly with money and not just mm-hmm. like not just simple staking, but rather a very complex kind of splitting of uh, how the emissions is, are, are, are emitted towards each of the harvesters dynamically based on how their mm-hmm. people are playing the game, right? And also like utilization and stuff like that. Like you know, the AUMs of the harvesters matter and they determine um, like the emissions and so forth. So because there's a lot of kind of like like calculations going on the, behind the scenes, we have to write a lot of tests to make sure there's no weird edge cases or miscalculations. Subtle calculation bugs are a pretty big thing. Yeah. Like, uh, as you might know, if you're in like DeFi, there's a lot of ways in which um, slippage and all these weird calculation bugs can happen. So we're just trying to be Certainly. a little bit more careful. I mean, it's, it's kind of like for me, it's like dealing with time in Excel. Excel and time just, it doesn't work the same way regular math does. Oh, it's terrible. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Time is like, yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. 
but that's great and you know i think that i think a lot of people are looking forward to the harvester portion of the game uh, i know speaking for myself and the magic hour team we've spoken with magic dragon dow we've discussed the battlefly one and you know i i think we can all kind of see some of these projects really wanting to get involved with the harvesters so i think that i'm excited to see how how that all plays out but you know i know you guys came here not to talk about the harvesters so much as to talk about bridge bridge world 2.0 so uh when can we expect the new questing version to launch before the next full moon <laughs> which is before, uh, the before next two weeks from moon. the 15th okay. of may so before that uh for sure all right so sometime before the 15th of may is what you're saying uh, yes that's exciting i'm really really excited to see how the questing 2.0 is going to be involved with the, with the uh, strategy building strategy building sorry um that's going to be coming from everyone else now right different game plans different gameplays seeing just price action differ as well on uh, the marketplace and just seeing how all that unfolds i think it's going to be really really cool and just kind of give a new face to uh, bridge world and see how that continues to fold out so i'm really excited for that honestly this this seems really really cool yeah I, yeah i want to i want to thank you guys both for for coming and telling us about all this stuff i'm beside myself no i guess um it's like a concluding remark uh bridge world mm -hmm. is still like in its early days especially like you know the alpha testing so we're doing like a lot of experimentation uh mm -hmm. to see we see what works for the economy and what is sustainable long term so with that said like we really appreciate it for you know both the magic our podcast team as well as like the community for you know sticking around and definitely supporting bridge world as well as greater treasure so yeah it's been a pleasure so thanks for having oh, us. You're very welcome. And it's been our pleasure, too. We love playing the game, and we appreciate the work you guys are doing on it. And and It's not easy to deliver all this, again, at the pace that everything has been going at. And, um, us, of course, you know, there's times where, uh, again, every project has problems, and every project has things that definitely need to work on. Because, again, that's how you improve and just end up getting a more finished and final, uh, you know, just generative whole concept of what people want to create. and again it's not only your journey but the community's journey as well and uh just you know from behalf of magic hour and just i guess you could see the community that's you know still sticking out with uh, everything that's going on it's uh you know it's it's definitely a good journey and it's definitely a journey that i feel like everyone's going to enjoy being on as well yeah well guys if, if you don't have anything else uh you want to share you're you're certainly free to jump off we appreciate you joining us tonight and uh I mean, I guess for you, it's uh, early morning or maybe late morning. I don't know. Have you had your coffee yet? I'm about to. I'm jumping all over it. But yeah, no, thanks for, <laughs> for, thanks for having us. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always good to kind of like talk some of these things out and kind of like get the messaging out a little bit better. Includes another episode of Magic Hour, friends. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Magic Hour Pod. All the links are found on our link tree, which is in the show notes. From all of us, we appreciate your support for Bridge World.